Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. My patient today is Drew Drogi, who you may know for his hilarious Chloe Sevigny impressions on YouTube, or from his groundbreaking plays Happy Birthday, Doug, and Bright Colors and Bold Patterns, which the New York Times called Devastatingly Funny, or maybe you know him from his numerous appearances on shows like Drunk History, Search Party, and Bob's Burgers. In today's session, Drew talks all about how often he cooks at home. I mean, I've lived in my apartment for five or six years and I've never turned the stove on. Being a cater waiter at the Emmys. And I remember my captain came up and he was like, all right, you have a very important table. You have Harvey Weinstein's table. And whether he hates papaya because of its vaginal qualities. Not to get too graphic, but I've been I've been there with ladies, and that was way more uh, entertaining than papaya. <laughs> so, without further ado, here is my lunch therapy session with Drew Drogi. All right, Drew. Well, welcome to Lunch Therapy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Adam. Hi. So Hi. good to see you. Yeah, you too. Well, I've noticed that on my Instagram, you've sort of been like liking some of my food pictures recently. And I've always wondered, like, are you a big food guy? Do you like to cook? Do you like to eat? I I, I am a big food guy and I do not cook. Like, I love oh. to go out to eat. I would. The thing about cooking is that like when I've done it before, I do enjoy it. It's just mm -hmm. like... I uh, live alone, have c carved out a life for myself where I don't have to cook. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't. Um, and so like, but it's one of those things that like, I've always said, like, if I had a partner and someone who like loved cooking, I would, I can see myself really getting into it. Because mm. I feel like I'm good at like knowing flavors or knowing like what's good to like I'm 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 good at a menu when I see a menu and go oh that's that's what we need to have you know like well, yeah and I you I know and planning strong, a menu I'm good at strong opinions I feel like as a follower yeah. of yours and a fan yeah. of yours I feel like you have very very strong opinions so I feel like that's actually good for a cook because you you know what you want it to taste like yeah oh for sure and I kind of know that like okay there's something like like for me like okay you cannot have enough garlic I'm all about that mm -hmm. but then there are other things that I would know that like oh just literally the phrase use it as a spice is there for a reason or, you know, other, you know, it's sort of, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that, um, and then I had a mom who was a very good cook who still is a very good cook. Okay. And so every time I'm home with her, she always talks about cooking to me, wanting to get me hooked on it. But I do know a lot more about it. My dad was a good cook. My brother's an amazing, like hmm. my sister-in-law, I have everyone in my family is a really good cook and I just don't. And it's, I don't know. It, it comes from, I've always thought that like living alone, I feel like I waste money when I buy a bunch of groceries and I have to throw a lot of things out and I hate throwing food away. Mm -hmm. So I like getting little, you know, portions for the whatever I need and, you know, mm -hmm. and holding, you know, having dry stuff or whatever thing, non-perishable stuff. But yeah, um, well, I mean, I feel like you're always working too. I mean, I think that's connected. Like I feel like you're, 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 you know, you do the groundlings, you, you're in movies, you're in TV shows. So it's like, that's a good reason to not, not want to like spend hours and hours like developing a sauce or, you know. Well, and I never know, I never know when, cause I go, I mean, I do go long stretches without working, but when I yeah. do, it's sometimes last minute. And if I have a fridge full of groceries or like some or plans to make dinner, I always feel like it's just, you know, it's something that um, I just haven't got in the habit. I mean, I've lived in my apartment for five or six years and I've never turned the stove on. Oh my God. Really? You've never turned the stove on nope. ever? I use the microwave a lot. <laughs> but that's it. Okay. You need, you need some real lunch I therapy. Do. This is a serious I situation. Do. Yeah. My God. I had no idea. This is what yeah, I was No, for. I mean, okay, I really wow. don't at all. I mean, I, we can sort of get into this about like what I had for lunch today, but pre-pandemic even, I started doing um, meal plans that I love like getting like a, a Monday to Friday, getting food delivered to my place. And that was like, I really could have night, I could have like healthy balanced food that I'm not, cause I'm not like eating mm -hmm. out every, I'm not like going and getting, right. you know, and I try to limit fast food and all that stuff to be healthier, but um, yeah. So were these the meal plans though, where you have to be, they're not the ones where, like blue no. apron where you have to go no, to the they're literally and, they're like, in a things. container and you warm them up. If they're hot, <laughs> you put them in the microwave for two or three mm -hmm. minutes at the most or a minute or whatever it tells you. And, 
Well, I was going to ask you, because like, I'm curious about you saying your mother cooks, your brother cooks, everybody cooks, because I know that you're from um, mm-hmm. the South, right? You're from uh, South yeah. Carolina. So uh, in terms of the cuisine, does your mom mostly cook Southern food? Is that the culture? That you yeah, and in? she's branched out. And like, I remember like growing up, we had we had all the like, you know, the, the a lot of the casseroles and stew, like we do a lot of like, you know, I love like um, pot roast and like um, stew meat, like she put a crock pot things. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we would have steak, a lot of red meat, burgers, chili. And then like, even like spaghetti was basically like a lot of chili on noodles. It was a lot of like, you know, that kind of mm. a thing. Like, you know, we call, you know, was the spaghetti noodle? It's, you know, and we had, we would have chow mein, like my mom's version of chow mein, which was nothing like, you know, a, a Chinese chow mein, but it was those noodles right. and, you know, and, and it was delicious. I mean, it's like, like chicken, almost like chicken casserole with those noodles in it. And so. Did she, did she do the like biscuits and fried chicken? She never really, she, she will, and one of the few things that was very hard was fried, is fried chicken. That's like something that we would usually get fried chicken. Um, she would do her version of like oven, like she would do like oven baked chicken or something called mom's Mm -hmm. chicken. It was like something we request every time I'm home and it would be sort of like, you know, oven fried, like breaded and all that. But like a deep fried chicken is like, as you know, hard to do. It's its own art form. Yeah. I think I made fried chicken for you I once. You when I did. First moved I think to I LA. remember that. Yeah. yeah, you came over. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, well, I mean, so in terms of your brother and, and the other people in your family who cook, do they also sort of stick to like Southern stuff, chili? No, my my brother and sister in law they live in North Carolina, and they but they are real foodies, and they go across the board. Mm-hmm. Like they'll occasionally do that, but they will. I mean, my sister in law has a great blog called um, Everyday Champagne, um, and so, okay, good plug. So look Everyone, up Everyday look at, Champagne. Look and it's basically yeah. like, it, what's great about it is that it basically teaches you how you can eat well and eat fancy on, you know, no matter where you live. I mean, it's, I mean that has that has changed so much in the last few years. But there was always a thing about like, well, you don't have access to, you know, with a lot of the ethnic mm-hmm. foods or a lot of the things people talk about. You're like, we just don't have those spices. We don't have those things. And so she's really good at sort of saying, you know, here's how you can substitute or you can cheat this with that. But they are really they are on top of, they can make it anything and they will just do like, you Mm. know, unbelievable stuff. So. So what is the dish for you when you think of home cooking or like the food you grew up with? Like what is the iconic dish that you remember from your childhood as the thing that makes you think of growing up in South Carolina? I think it's that mom's chicken. It's like, it was like coated and like, I think it had uh, corn flakes and I think it was like a lot of butter and uh, you know, mm. salt and just, it's just bubbling brown comes out of the oven and it's just like unbelievably great. That's funny. I mean, I remember when Planet Hollywood uh-huh. was a restaurant. I don't know if that's still yeah. still there, but they had like chicken tenders when I was a kid that were coated in Captain Crunch. Oh syrup. yeah. Very similar like <laughs> yeah. vibe. Just like, yeah. And I oh, love yeah. it. Oh, oh, it's so good. But you'll have to get me the recipe. I, oh, I'll please. I would love that. Yeah. Call my mom yeah. Well, I think, yeah, well, I think the time has come to start your analysis. Okay. So, um, Drew, tell us, what did you have for lunch today, today? from Catered Fit, my catering company, I had a Hawaiian turkey burger with pineapples and onions. Mm-hmm. I'm reading it off the thing. Barbecue baked <laughs> beans and grilled corn on the cob. Got it. Um, well, it's interesting because you're, uh, you're an unusual patient in that a lot of my patients who come on this podcast are very like, they, they've chosen specifically the food that they're going to eat for lunch. And you are part of this, like, you know, you're getting delivered a lunch that you didn't necessarily like say, I want a Hawaiian. Oh, I did. I mean, I got to pick it out. It was a small choice, but I did pick it out. I, you know, I usually like, what were your choices? I don't remember my choices, but I usually pick this. This is something that when it's an option, I usually pick because it's delicious. The thing that I do love catered fit. I've been using them since like just before the pandemic, I uh, probably six or eight months before pandemic started and all, all through pandemic, I use them Monday to Friday. And then on the weekends I eat what Mm -hmm. I want, but it, it's, very healthy and it's like limited portions which is like great but it makes me eat things that i wouldn't always but this feels like a mm-hmm. on the side of cheating because it's like you know it's you know it's the turkey burger and savory they give you this yeah i mean i gotta show you oh my god the 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 bun that i don't even use it's so thin i mean it is paper thin <laughs> and it's so small 
and it's just nothing. I'd rather just not eat it. So I don't, I don't even use it. So it's just the burnt, it's just the patty with onions yeah. and but it's like barbecue and the baked beans and a little like little, you know, nub of corn, yeah. corn on the cob. Well, it's great because it, I mean, it opens up a lot of avenues of that we can go down in terms of psychology, because I mean, the first thing that came to mind is like nurturing yourself versus like having someone else nurture you versus like nurturing others. Like in this case, it feels like you like that this company is assembling this lunch for you and delivering it to you and sort of taking care of you in a way Absolutely. So that you don't have to take yes. care of yourself. And is that true of you in yes, general? I love, it's like a thing. I feel like when I am working or busy or just even... I love, I mean, I make the decision. I, I choose between three, I get three choices for each meal, mm -hmm. like one of these three things. And I, weeks ago, so I don't know what's coming until it shows up at my door every night and a little pre-packaged <laughs> thing. And I go, oh, that's my lunch tomorrow. It's one less thing that I have to think about. And it's nice that it's mm -hmm. there, that I'm not running to, you know, McDonald's or, or just like something, whatever I have, throwing something together. Uh, and also it mm -hmm. saves time. Like I don't have to go and sit and wait in a restaurant even for something and I don't have to like make it myself. So it, it for sure, I enjoy that. Yeah, it feels like they're taking yes. care of you. Well, I mean, the other thing that comes to mind is the idea of like structure and routine and, and like containment, like that this meal is like, you, you know, it's going to come, it comes in the same kind of packaging. Like, and then for some reason, I'm also thinking about the fact that you do improv and you're, you're an actor. And like, I'm thinking about the idea of like a scene, like, like it could potentially go anywhere, right. but it also has certain rules and structure totally. to it. And but also how that plays. Into yeah. That's life. so interesting yeah. because I also think that like, because like doing improv or being creative and writing or how much mm -hmm. energy that kind of can take and that can, yes, there's structure to all that, but it also can kind of go anywhere and you want to leave possibilities mm -hmm. open. Um, my friends also laugh. I wear the same, a lot of the same clothes. I will wear shirts until they will, they start falling apart on me. I don't care about, mm -hmm. because I have to go shop for costumes for characters or go get for, you know, roles and have stuff for that. So I feel like just certain basic life, I like having it sort of there and I don't have to think about it too much because I can use all my mental mm -hmm. energy towards the creative stuff that I really do have to like put a lot into. And then I don't have to go, oh God, what do yeah. I want for lunch today? What am I even in the mood for? <laughs> it's like, you have, you're having a Hawaiian turkey burger today. That's your lunch. And like, yeah. great, you know? Well, it's funny because I went to school for playwriting and I knew I wasn't going to be a very successful playwright because the teachers that were the most successful who were like iconic, like Marsha Norman or whoever, like they like, they just like grabbed food and just like shoveled it in their faces. And they were so like invested in their writing. <laughs> Whereas like all I could, all I could think about is what am I going to have oh my for lunch today? Where am I going to dinner? And so I feel like it speaks to your talent and your devotion to your craft that like clothing and food is like secondary to like the work and you're actually like, focusing on the work. Well, that and you're I think doing. sometimes though, I will, I will let myself look crazy. I mean, my hair is always crazy, <laughs> but the other night I went to, di to dinner with friends and I just had been working all day. I didn't care. And my hair was insane. I was just wearing whatever I had on. I went out and we took a picture together at the uh -huh. end. And I looked at myself and I was like, I left the house, sat through two hours of dinner and with the people who I love <laughs> And didn't even look at myself in the mirror when I left. And I'm like, maybe take a little more <laughs> effort into that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes when I'm focused, I'm just like, or like on a day off. And I, I, I used to have a friend, we would, you know, we go to like screenings and there'd always be a lot of, you know, and actor Q and A's afterwards. And a lot of the actors would show up at their own Q and A, like for a movie or they we would see them at, and he would go, why do actors look like garbage when they're not? And I go, and I get it because you are so focused on when you're working, like every element of it. And you have people that are constantly doing your makeup and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, adjusting your clothes and doing your hair and all that. And then when you're off, you're like, I will be in a t-shirt and whatever I'm comfortable in. Right. And I do not care. And I, if anything, I'm so relaxed, not worrying about my appearance in any way. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Well, I'm curious though, like, because now I'm thinking you talked about writing. And by the way, we should talk about like you wrote these incredible plays that have been so successful that you starred in. And now I guess have a life beyond that, but it was um, Bright Colors and Bold Patterns and Happy Birthday, Doug, both of which I saw in LA, but I know that it played in New York and I saw it on Broadway HD. Um, so I'm curious, like in terms of structure and, but also like letting your brain wander and being creative, like when you're tackling a writing project, where do you start? How does it begin for it's you? Um, it's, I have to just kind of make myself start. Like I have no, 
you know, sometimes I have to go before there's inspiration. I just have to start writing. And then just, mm-hmm. and I, and I, I have to be really, and I'm about to start writing a new one. Like, you know, I'm about to start right. in like a couple weeks actually. And I'm just going to have to carve out time and not beat myself up if, if, if I have to throw everything away. But I basically have to say, okay, at this time you're starting, you're going to sit down and you're just going to start doing it. And mm-hmm. something, I had a boss one time and this sounds so cheesy and so hippy dippy, but I had a boss one time who's, who would say, she would say, just start writing. It'll tell you what it is. And you know that, mm-hmm. I mean, you wrote, you wrote on, you've written for TV as well. And you know how it's like a thing where yeah. you go, I don't know what this, what this scene means, or I don't know what this episode is. I don't know what this is. And you can make yourself crazy trying to make it perfect in your head. And sometimes you just mm-hmm. kind of start going and you go, oh, well, this character is now talking like this. And this is how they are. And this is how this happens. Right. And it just kind of goes because you kind of get out of your head with it. Like you don't let. Because your brain can be your best friend and your worst enemy with when you're writing. Because your brain will be the first one to say, that's mm-hmm. dumb. Why would you do that? Why would you say that? And instead, you have to just kind of go, you're not allowed at the party, brain. I'm just going to let this go. And then yeah. I'll, the next day, go back and read it and decide what to keep and what to cut. Or It feels like improv is a good yes. training for that. Because it's like when you're on stage in character, you're not self-editing. You're like, oh, I, I retract that line. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you you know, can't. You just say right. whatever. You, you yeah, said it, so. and now it's true, and now you have to make sense out of it right. as opposed to going, oh, can we go back? Like, this didn't work. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, to bring it back to the kitchen, I mean, I'm, now I'm thinking of you at the stove, like, that isn't turned on. Right. <laughs> and, like, the, cur- the, cur- the courage, though, to sort of say, like, okay, I'm going to just go, go for this, and, like, it might be a mess. But, but, you're not, but it sounds like you're not that motivated, clearly, to do I'm that. not so much. And, I, again, like, I feel yeah. like... If I, like I said, I feel like if I was with somebody who was like, I really need to cook yeah. and I need you to enjoy this with me, I feel like I would. Like, I feel like there's mm. certain things like I think about like, cause I've been single most of my life. And it's like, when I think about like, oh, if I was with a partner, I'd be like, mm-hmm. kids would, would be a pro, I, I, that'd be weird for me to, I don't know. I'd, I'd really <laughs> wrap my head around it. But <laughs> cooking is one of those things I'm like, oh, I could get into that. That's something that like I could uh-huh. enjoy. And I enjoy like, being with friends when they're making food in the kitchen, like, while wow, that, that whole mm-hmm. process is, um, I, you know, I've enjoyed a cooking show. I don't, I don't watch any of the cooking shows regularly, but I do, I, I do like really, and those are very calming to me too. When I go to the dentist, I usually, they put on Netflix <laughs> and I always put on a cooking show because that constantly me. Oh yeah, that I find it yes. so calming. I think that's why I'm so high strung that like that's actually probably why I got into cooking is I would just watch cooking shows really? to calm myself down and then be like, oh, maybe I want to do that. But wait, I'm curious now because we didn't really get into this, but like, so I mean, during the week you're doing healthy fit. Is that catered what it's called? Fit. Healthy fit? Mm-hmm. Catered fit. Um, and so that sounds like kind of disciplined and like you're trying to be healthy and, you know, catered, whatever, but like on the weekends you get to eat. So like, I guess I'm, I want to ask you like, what are your favorite things to eat? And like, oh my God, like bacon go? and eggs. I love breakfast. <laughs> I love okay. it. I love bacon. I would eat that every meal if I could. Um, uh-huh. I love, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. And, and I love eggs. Like that was, that something that I would all the time. That's so simple. I mean, I feel like you could turn on your stove. Oh, and, oh, and I can, I do eggs. make, I mean, you know, I have, I, I can boil an egg. Like I've done that on other, other places. When I was home and was with my mom, I, I made eggs. I did that for myself. Okay. Um, it was a surprising answer though, because like when I was like, what, what are your favorite th- foods? I thought you were going to be like, oh, I love chicken parmesan. Oh, I love something. Chateau like, very, very like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like, so, but it's like very yeah. simple. It's like, oh, bacon and eggs. I mean, I, I like, love, yeah, I mean, okay. I love going out and like, I, I am very adventurous when it, when I have a menu in front of me, I will try the weirdest mm-hmm. thing that I can find. Cause there's very little food that I mm-hmm. don't like. Papaya is the only okay. thing that I find like repulsive. And Why? I don't know. I am convinced that, and I'm, I know I'm not the only person because I've met very few people who have the same feeling about papaya that I do. And I think it is on a much, much smaller scale than the people who have the cilantro thing where it tastes like soap. Uh-huh. Papaya, I, I mean, it, it, I, I mean it, it tastes like, like, like rot to me. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really bad. And I love mango. I love passion fruit. I love mm. guava. I love everything in that family. But there's something in papaya that is, it, it like really like um, disgusts me. And I know you're supposed to take the enzymes that are good for our stomach, but I, you know, but uh, anyway. <laughs> I could see that. I could hear what you're saying. Like, I feel like I've had that kind of like overripe papaya where it's like a little 
sickly or it's kind of yes. gross and icky. I, I know what you're talking about. Um, it's also, this is kind of inappropriate, but it's very like Freudian, which is like, it's a little vaginal. I, 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 I know I've totally too. gotten that before. People said, oh, is that because and I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, but I've been, I've been there with ladies oh, and that okay. was way yeah. more uh, entertaining. Than- <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. So, but yes, it, it, it is. And I, and I hate being that on the nose. Like I love yeah. bananas and hot dogs and, you know, but no, um, no it's, it's, uh, yeah. But yeah. Got it. Um, so when you go, go to a restaurant, because it feels like when you're enjoying food for pleasure and it's not during the week it's like it seems like going to a restaurant is is the place where you get to kind of bask in the glory of all things gastronomical so like yes. what is it that what is it that you seek like when you go out besides bacon and eggs like what do you, i mean an, an adventurousness like what kind of restaurants are you drawn to well my i mean my favorite my favorite type of food is indian food i love okay. i and that i i feel like there's a real connection or very similar a real similarity between Indian food and Southern food, because it's a lot mm-hmm. of like stews. It's a lot of like heavy on the flavor, but like sauces yeah. and, and very comforting. It's very, you know, and that's what I do. I love, I love There's Indian a great food. book for you. You should buy this cookbook. It'll be your first cookbook maybe called uh, My Tooth Souths. And it's by Asha Gomez, who's from Southern India, but lives in Atlanta. And it's sort of about her mixing like Southern cuisine from oh my gosh. America with Southern yes. cuisine from India. So check that out. What's it called? My Two Souths? Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's okay. fantastic. Yeah. For sure. That's interesting. Um, so, so for you, though, you see a similarity between Southern food and Indian food. Okay. It's so like the yes. sauciness, the... Yes. Okay. And maybe and fried. I really, yeah. And I love, uh, I love um, spice. So anything mm-hmm. that's... I, I, like, I like a lot of heat. So I really enjoy that. And I like variety. I, will, I, I like to mix it up. And like, you know, I love to go to a steakhouse and have a wedge salad and like, you know, a you know, filet and, mm-hmm. you know, red wine and, you know, um, well, it's interesting because like as a fan of your work, it feels like when you do satirize a character or you're satirizing something, it really feels like the thing that you're making fun of the most is like hypocrisy or, or like people who take themselves too seriously. And I, and I wonder if, does that apply in terms of like fancy restaurants? Like, the kind Oh, of- <laughs> I find, I find food so funny. I, I yeah. didn't realize until, um, when I was in the Groundlings, uh, they they uh, in in you know in the Sunday show every six months they do an opening and like all your sketches that are like sort of the greatest hits they put in the opening, mm-hmm. and you get these cardboard pictures of all the sketches, and I was moved I and I so I got my like sketch you know for, and I have like seven or eight over the years of like sketches that I had done with different people or so you know, mm-hmm. and I and I for whatever reason I just sort of subconsciously put them in my kitchen at one place that I lived. And when I was moving, I looked at each of them and they all have food in them or oh, drink. Funny. Which, was like, the, I, which was the one that was like the most popular of all of them. I have one with my friend Margie and we did, we did a sketch where we were on um, cheese stewards and we were doing a cheese tasting with the audience. And there was literally every little napkin. It was just cheddar cheese cubes, the same cheddar cheese. <laughs> we're asking the audience and we're judging them. Like because of their their taste and like which you prefer and we're like oh you chose this one and the whole <laughs> thing was just like how stupid it is and it's literally the same cheese and everything that's really funny and then I had another sketch that was involving champagne with my friend Anna and we we're like all about like being drunk and it's like an old sixties Jim Backus routine that we found mm-hmm. and and then even with like my Chloe seventy parodies I love to be pretentious about food yes I think, yes I forgot about that yeah of and course Chloe of, seventy yeah. And I get so many people sending me pretentious menus and I yes. love them because they go, this sounds like something Chloe would say. And I love that. I love reading them. And I, but I, it's like, I laugh at it and I would be all for it. Like I would sit at that table and I would have all 12 courses yes. of like, you know, steamed pork gas or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> absolutely. Steamed pork gas. <laughs> that sounds like, really interesting. Yeah. Put it in there, get it in me. I love it. I want to go with yeah. you. There's a restaurant in LA called Vespertine, which I've never been to. I oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's not open, but it's like, apparently it's like in this building that looks like a rocket ship, and it's like four hundred dollars a person. And like you go up to the roof, and they're like playing like a soundtrack that's been like curated just for the restaurant. And like they come out with like a powder that you like, and, you know, <laughs> you you lick off a plate. Like it's just insane. Oh. Although the, the ultimate thing that yeah the ultimate thing that happened recently in terms of pretentiousness was this woman had a viral post because she went to this Michelin starred restaurant in Italy, 
and the chef had taken like a plaster cast of his lips and then like made like a like a sculpture of his lips oh i saw put, this yes, so did you put, did you post about this yeah, or somebody maybe, posted yeah. about yes. and i think he put like a foam inside the lips that you're supposed to like lick out of his lips yes or somebody or a a, a, a fan of the quality video sent this to me i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about that's so funny okay so you this is a good area because it feels like in terms of your psychology and like who you are and like it feels like you grew up in a family where it seems like there was a lack of pretension and it was just about like being it down was, to no earth. it was all about it was all about what tastes good and mm -hmm. we're gonna eat and, and it was a big deal in my family to eat together it was a very like we had to sit around the table mm -hmm. i had to i i had to basically like i could only do a play every other in my community theater i had to choose <laughs> which play I was going to audition for because I needed a time when my, my parents were like, you're not going to be in every play. You have to have time <laughs> where so you hang out with us and like spend time with us. It was a big deal to like have dinner with, you know, and have that time. But um, yes, it was about what, what, what tastes good. And mm -hmm. it was all comfort. It was all connected to family right. and, and no pretension whatsoever. We did. My, my dad was pretty snotty about food though. Like mm -hmm. my dad expected all food to be excellent. So he hated mm -hmm. fast food. And when he would go, he would, he was known for sending like fast food back if it mm. wasn't up to par. And we had to be like, Dad, it's Wendy's. Like you don't really get to send that back. Just throw it away if you don't like it. This Sorry. This isn't square enough. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. But my dad kind of had this high bar for everything, no matter what it cost, no matter where we were. Mm -hmm. It was like this isn't quality, you know. So my dad was pretty. I mean, we and he was also there was it was a I think it was a big deal to my parents like growing up in the South, they really wanted us to have culture. And so they would take us to theater and concerts, like, you know, uh, you know, and opera and whatever would come to town or near, they would take us, we would go to Charlotte like an hour away and then we would go to nice restaurants. They really wanted us to have that experience mm -hmm. so that we weren't just like, you know, that we would get out in the world and not, you know, yeah. know about certain things. And so, now yeah. in terms of like the food world, I feel like the South is seen as, as probably like, if not the most like important cuisine in the country, because it's like the most American in a lot of ways. Right. Like, yeah. So I mean, now like Charleston has like Husk and all these restaurants that are like, oh changing. I know. Everything. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. So when you're when you're in LA, do you, is, do you sometimes seek out Southern food here, or do you? I don't. Not seek it out? I I because I'm usually disappointed in Southern food, or like or mm -hmm. you know um, you know even like you know I I didn't you know a lot of people will have like soul food or they'll call yeah. it southern or whatever and it's sometimes it's great or and it's fine or a barbecue a lot of barbecue places right, that'll do right. that. and you know and 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 in the and in the carolinas barbecue is like people have started wars over it i mean it's mm -hmm. like vinegar based versus mustard based and the you know whatever i like it all but like i yeah. do when i have sometimes it tastes too healthy or it's too you know you want the collards to be like falling apart and yeah. like you know and kind of brown from all the bacon fat in them. They don't want right. them to be bright green and kale-like. Uh -huh. I like all that in another context, but don't call that like soul food. It's not. Right, it's right. You want the real deal. It's so funny because I think I've told you this story because you're from Greenville, South Carolina, right? My Well, my um, mom, uh, my mom, uh, stepfather lived in Greenville for a long time. But, oh, yeah. okay. Because, and I probably shouldn't talk about this, but maybe they're not listening. But uh, like, I got paid by the Southern South Carolina like tourism board to come to South Carolina to do a blog post where like I went to Charleston and then I went to Columbia, South Carolina, and then I went to Greenville. I wound up in Greenville, and I think oh, I told wow. you I was. I think I told you I was going, and then I think you told me about like a mayonnaise place that I can go like and eat like a mayonnaise sandwich. I think that you were. Oh like, my god, I'm sure there was a there's a place called Bacon Brothers that was in. Yeah, Greenville. maybe that. That's what it was. That I'm sure they had, they had like fried chicken with pimento cheese and bacon. Oh my God. That sounds delicious. Oh, but they were like, so funny. But when I went on this trip and I got to Greenville, they wanted me to go to all their, like all their attempts at like fancy food. So they were like bringing me to like, like bistros. And, and I was like, no, I want to eat barbecue. I want, I want food, right. Yeah. So it was really funny. So I had like, like, it was like sort of the opposite of what you're talking about where like. Well, did you go to like Lazy Goat? Do you remember anywhere? I'm trying oh, to think of like Greenville. I don't even like, remember. It was a long time so ago. There's so many restaurants. And you even said Husk. And I'm like, I may be eating there too because I do go to Charleston. I, I'm flying out of there now because my family is all over okay. North and South Carolina now. And, um, and Columbia, my aunt lives in Columbia. So I've gone to the, you know, all those places are, yes, they want to be, they want to have their name on the map. And Greenville has like blown up. I mean, Greenville, mm -hmm. South Carolina is like now like a huge, you know, best kept secret. It's like, you know, I feel like maybe in 10 years, it might be like in Austin or something like oh, that. Wow. I had no like, idea. Okay. I was there right oh, at the beginning. Like, so yeah. many things are going there and people kind of going Greenville, Greenville. It's like, 
no people are talking about it but not yet like it's it's kind of oh, cool. um and their downtown's adorable and they have incredible food i have great food when i go there but i understand what you mean um when i was like growing up there like we one summer we had a french exchange student stay with my family uh-huh. and it was the same thing like we were like oh we'll take him to the Biltmore House, which is the only castle, the only castle in North America is the Biltmore House in really? Asheville, North Carolina. That. It's considered a castle because it's descendants of um, the royal family. I think that in order to literally be called a castle, okay. like Hearst Castle is not really right. a cat. I don't know. It's like champagne or one of the whiskey or whatever. Right, right. It has to be bourbon or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah and okay. so, um, so anyway, we were like, we'll take you to this castle. And he was like, I don't want to go to a new castle. I'm from <laughs> France. He's like, I don't care about going to a castle. Right. He wanted the most redneck. He wanted to, he wanted to ride in a pickup truck. He wanted, <laughs> right. you know, that's, that's what, what he I wanted. wanted yeah. That's where he chose. He wanted to come to the South. And we were like, oh, we got to It's so funny how we don't appreciate what's yeah, authentic totally. ours. We want to make everything, you know, something else. Oh yeah. I mean, even for me, like being Jewish, coming from like Florida and New York and like the food I grew up with, like, you know, there's something called kasha varnishkis, which was like bow tie pasta with like buckwheat groats in it and like my mom would buy it and it's like I, I always took it for granted and now it's like oh that, that was like special like that was not something oh, right. that I can ever get right. um but I'm curious like I, this came to mind as you were talking about eating at the dinner table with your family and I'm just kind of curious like were you did you fit in with your family like were you were you the kind of kid that like was your family all funny and outgoing and and I know, outrageous I guess <laughs> I promise that I am the quiet one in my family um, okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> that was a surprise. I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, the they answer. are all hilarious. They, um, and just opinionated about everything and loud and a lot. And it's so, you know, I was, and I, I am the quiet around my family and I am quiet around my family. I sort of like become like this kind of, I'm always, I, I grew up with like my nose in a book. I was always mm-hmm. up in my room in my own world dreaming of living in New York or LA one day. Mm-hmm. Like I was always kind of that kid that I was like, this is, you know, you know, but I am very lucky. I have love like family that I really did get along with mm-hmm. and love. And to this day, I still like, you know, I, I really, um, my father passed away like 18 years ago, but my mom and my brother, and I'm still really close with, and it's like, we're, st- and it's like, we pick up where we left off and, you know, I only, you know, sadly get to see them like twice a year or whenever, yeah. but like when we do, we have a real, you know, I feel, I feel very lucky to have had that. And I, you know, um, but it, well, there's, I don't know. They didn't really think I was funny. And I think to this day, and I'm not very funny when I'm around them. I realize yeah. that that kind of go that power kind of leaves me, uh-huh. but also like a lot of it is like, I just know that I could throw it out there and I'm not getting, it's not, they're not my audience. Like, yeah. so I was very serious and I am very serious when I get around my family especially my, like with, I don't know, like it's usually like when it's a group of family, like when I'm one-on-one with them, I'm thinking out loud, like I can be a little bit more, but like, I don't know. It's like a thing where it was very upsetting to them when I said I'm moving to LA to do comedy. Cause they were just mm. like, you, like you, you're <laughs> not. so funny to me. This, this should be inspirational to anyone whose families are not supporting their creative decisions because i mean you're so funny obviously that, that that's wild to me but i, I kind of like, get it too yeah like they get like when they see like something i make that i share i they always mm-hmm. are very sweet about that but i feel like just in general and but i in their defense i get it because i do kind of turn into a little bit more of a serious person my brother is the jokes my brother was very supported for being funny mm-hmm. and personable and he's more like the salesman i was supported for being smart even mm-hmm. though my brother's a genius. Like my brother has to constantly prove that he's smart. And he's, I think my brother's much smarter than me. And my brother has a very big adult job that I don't really understand. And I'm always <laughs> like, what do you do again? And yeah. you know, I still put on wigs and scream at people, which I've done since <laughs> I was 16. Right. But you know, it's like, it's that weird thing where parents just decide you're the, you're going to be the quiet, sensitive, smart one. And you're the wild, wild child, hilarious life of the party. Mm. And so when the quiet, sensitive one's like, I'm going to move to, California to do comedy it's like wait that's not at all what we thought of you and considered you you know so that's really so in terms of like being the quiet kid that like did like to read a book and was quiet around his family like were you secretly like pining or like secretly like waiting to like 
explode out of yourself and like be on a stage and and be yeah, in front I mean, of an I, audience? I realized that I was very shy and still, I don't think, I, I don't know. It's something that I'm a lot more, I mean, you know, I, it was something that I realized how much I loved it and I could get, and especially like, as I was like coming into myself and learning about myself, everything, I was realizing that like, oh, when I don't have to be myself, and I could stand up and say somebody else's words. There's so much power in that. And I love mm-hmm. it. And yes. I love that feeling and that connection. And it gave me so much of more, you know, esteem, self-esteem mm-hmm. um, to be able to be able to do that. That you makes know what a I lot think? of sense. Yeah. I think a lot yeah, of actors feel that way too. Yeah. Like you kind of go, oh, I'm sort of, there's something that I'm able to like sort of release in a mm-hmm. way that like, or, or, or a way that I can communicate or like I can express myself mm-hmm. in a way that I couldn't do in life. And I, and I feel like it's to this day, I have a lot of it in that way. A lot of times I have a hard time talking about my own stuff because mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm sort of like, I feel weird. I'm like, I don't want to, it's like, after I do it, I'm sort of like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It, no, I totally get that. Yeah. It's, it's like the, it's like creative work for you is, is where you can be your true self in a weird way. Like, like you channel your true self into the work you're doing. Right. Right. And so and then curious, after it's oh, done, yeah. I'm like, what do you think about it? Cause your opinion of it is more valid than mine really, because yeah. I've done it. And now I'm like, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, yeah. you kind of lose yourself in, in the, in the, work. I mean, I just think of yeah. you like as Chloe Sevigny, like going to like Akbar or something like in the parking lot and just like the courage of that and just be like descending a staircase in front of like a hundred gay people out in the, you know, in the hot sun. And it's like, but it's like, you're channeling this character. And so you, it's liberating. Right. And it's like, that, that's so funny. I mean, like, because there are times that me as, as Drew walking into Akbar in front of a hundred gay men, that I'm way less secure. I mean, often mm-hmm. I'm like walking oh, yeah. in going, Oh God, I don't know. Join the club. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't want that attention as me. I don't like it. I, I I don't really that's I don't so hate interesting. It. I'm not okay. gonna say like, ooh, I hate it, but I don't crave it. I don't crave it. And right. I'm very happy to be like I love I mean Akbar is, you know, my favorite place on earth and I love going to there and going to the back and being with friends and sitting down in the quiet. Like I don't it's just, I don't need to be in the middle of it all. But when I can put on a wig and immediately when I become Chloe, I'm like, oh, she's so confident. She's so mm-hmm. like, aren't, you know, you're welcome. I am here. And there's something that just takes over that I, I feel it in me every time. I'm like, oh my God. And I, it's all in me to begin with, but it's something that like mm-hmm. I walk, yeah, you walk down the stairs and I know everyone's looking at me, everyone's taking pictures and it's not me anymore though. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I mean, I feel like it's, um, it's, it's probably so true. I mean, I said this earlier, but like for actors who, you know, you see them out of out of costume or something, and they do sometimes kind of seem shy. And it's like the same person that you just saw. Like, Pat, like who was it? Was it Patty Lapone who said that she's shy? And I was like, what? oh, I don't believe or that. Or somebody like <laughs> somebody, maybe it wasn't Patty Lapone. It was somebody somebody like yeah. that, like another bombastic. Right, like, right, 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 sure, sure. He's like, oh, I'm really shy in real yeah. life. I'm like, really? But um, I was going to ask you though, in terms of the trajectory from growing up with your family and fantasizing about going to New York and LA and then actually getting there and then becoming the Drew Drogi that we all know today. Like what was that journey like and how long did it take you? Well, you know, that's the thing that I still have to pinch myself and go, it's so cool that there are a lot of people that I grew up watching and I don't, I I hate, I never want anybody to feel old because I, you know, at this point we're all old and we're all adults, but it's like, there were people that I would, that I, that I would watch on TV or that I would read about in New York, you know, the New York magazines. And cause I, I got all, I got New York magazine since I was like 14 or 15 and just went, and I would read uh-huh, about like sure. the downtown plays and I would read about these people. And now I get to work with them. Now I'm friends with them. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of those people. And that is like baffling to me. Like it always is like, this mm-hmm. is so crazy that like I sort of called that into existence that like, you know, and it's, and yeah. I, you know, and I, I have to remind myself of that on the, on the days that it just kind of suck or I feel like I'm not doing well in my career or whatever. I feel like, oh man, I'm, you know, it's like, it is cool to think about like, oh, you, you do manifest a lot of what comes your way. You know, you really can, you, you know, um, and then I think a lot of it was for me, like professional, I, I feel like in, even in high school, especially in college, I didn't go to a theater school. I, I, I went to a great, liberal arts college but even in that theater Mm -hmm. department like I was 
rarely, if ever, given like a lead role. I had a couple, hmm. and I would usually be cast. Sometimes I was tall, and I would play like an old man and something or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was never considered the star of my theater department. And anybody, mm-hmm. I was, and and they were incredible. I was even in our non-theater school, incredible actors that I was in the program with who were like the ones who everyone's like, oh boy, so and so walked in the audition. Woof. We can, yeah. we can do the show well because that person's going to deliver. And I would kind of walk in and they go, oh, what are we going to give Drew? I guess give him these four lines and it's fine. And then <laughs> I moved out to L.A. and I spent almost 10 years before I ever had a job. And I was like taking improv classes at the Groundlings and I was, I was waiting tables and catering and doing all that mm. to pay the bills. And then, you know, and I was encouraged, but I was even in my in the Groundlings, there were people – who obviously, and there's, I mean, I could throw names that you'd be like, well, obviously they're a huge star now. Like they were the one, you know, and I was kind of like, mm-hmm. I was encouraged, but I, I wasn't like given anything too early. And I just loved it. I just kept doing things because I love mm-hmm. doing them. I love doing things. Yeah. I get that sense from you now. Like, it feels like you, you only do things that you love. I'm very like. lucky that like I've carved that out and I have to remind myself of that yeah. because I do, I go through periods where I don't have as much money or fame or whatever else yeah. as other people. Sorry, my dog oh, is barking. Oh, no, I don't hear anything. No. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, whatever, I, I don't, I, I can, I try not to compare myself to other people because it just is always a terrible thing to do that we always do. But it's that, like, I think my love for what I do. Sorry, oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, okay. Winston interrupted your flow at the end there. No, it's you fine. About, your your yeah. dog hates me talking yeah, about that. your dog is like, Tell dog's like shut, shut up. up. Nobody cares. Yeah. Talk well, about I'm food. Curious. Well, to bring it back to food, I mean, you talked about being a waiter and, and a caterer. So like, what, what, how is that? And like, how, I guess in terms of like knowing that you wanted to be an actor and, and you have these aspirations, like how did you endure those periods of your life and still stay motivated and still hang on to yourself? I, I honestly, I don't know because I think about my twenties and I think back how hard that was and how, I'm like, how did I keep going? Because I wasn't getting like any work, mm-hmm. you know, and I, 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 and so I would just do these. And the thing about like waiting tables and catering that really bummed me out the most is that I was terrible at it. Like <laughs> I didn't hate that I had to do it. I didn't feel like I was less of a person or like I was I, I didn't feel any of that I didn't judge and then obviously I don't judge anybody for like there I was so hard on myself because I was very bad when I was way too sensitive mm. on everything I if if a, if a table was rude or just said something offhanded I'm so attuned like language and wording and tone are so part of like my soul and that mm-hmm. like when people deliver when and you don't matter and they'll just say blah, blah, and you go hi how are you guys today and they'll go iced tea and you know yeah. a burger or whatever and it's like okay and then i get so mad and i'm back in the kitchen and i'm like well table 19 or a bunch of assholes and you're like you can't let it be that important yeah. like and i was so and i was in my 20s where i was so raw and i was like you know <laughs> nothing, i had you know. a friend who was a waiter in new york and he confessed to me recently that he once had a customer that was so nasty to him and just so awful that he did the thing that you're it's like the like mythological thing that people say waiters do if they hit you, which is he really spit in her coffee. Like he like good drooled into her coffee. One hundred percent team him because <laughs> yeah. when they drive you to that, they deserve it. Like yeah. it, because it's not. I mean, if you're doing that every day, maybe <laughs> don't wait tables yeah, and go great. to jail. <laughs> yeah, no, that's horrible. But yeah. when they do that. I had one time at like I worked at um, um, I'm not gonna name it, but name, name it. Just a place tell us. in it. Well, let's just say I were I, I uh, we'll just I'm not gonna say it, but okay. you'll probably guess a, a Brazilian restaurant that stays open very late. I used to work there. Okay. And yeah, so there was a time where there was a t- and then people come in so drunk, and there was a table of like eight or ten people, and they were wasted out of their mm. minds. And they were picking up whole steaks and throwing them on the floor and saying this fell on the floor and ordering more. Like they were, it was, it was truly like heartbreaking when you think about like, I have a thing about food. Like I find that so cruel. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, that's, I mean, that's when I literally go to like, that's an animal, like someone (laughs) that's uh, something like gave its life for you to throw it on the floor. Right. Disgusting to me. So, you know, I was, I hated these people. They were really rude. They cussed me out this and that they, they, at one point I'd, I, 
I don't remember that then when they were like, you're not getting any tip. I mean, they were, it was like the worst table you could ever imagine. And at, after they left, we were busting the table and one of them had left their phone at the table. And this was back when um, long distance rates still applied with cell phones. It was like a big deal. So, and this is like late into the night. And so I stole the phone. I mean, I put it in my apron. It starts vibrating against my apron. I'm like, whatever, I'm moving on, whatever. I hand it to the bus boys and I go, call Mexico. Call, call your friend, call anywhere, call, use it, use it. Just bing, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, and I have their cell phone. Yeah. I and love I was like, that. They came back in and they were like, we lost a phone. And I'm, fe- I'm hearing, I'm feeling it vibrate against my thigh. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't, we didn't find anything. We didn't have anything. That's amazing. And then um, threw the phone away. Either the next day, I think I took it home. And maybe <laughs> calls on it. I was just so like, I need something for this because I, it was like so much work. I mean, waiters, it's like the, one of the hardest jobs in the world. You get no love for it. And the reason I hated it was that I was very bad at it. And I just, mm-hmm. and so that was hard. And then the catering of it all, like you would go to these big events. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and it's so funny now because I remember the person that, whose table at the Emmys, one of the very first catering jobs I did was that they, they throw you at the, at, they threw you into the Emmys. It was like, you're going to work, you know, your first job because they need like a thousand, literally thousand waiters yeah for the thing and so i did that and came up and he was like all right you have a very important table you have harvey weinstein's table weinstein's table he is a big deal and i was like of course i know who that is i know exactly <laughs> when he walks in whatever and they were like you need to be kind to him you need to give him whatever he wants if he asks for this and that like they were so oh, hard gosh. they never sat down like they were up talking the whole time they weren't they didn't care about this dumb <laughs> steak they were going to get at the emmys the governor's ball you know, and um, I do laugh now, like, yeah, really? of all, yeah, of all Harvey people. Weinstein. Uh, well, yeah. it's so, but so like, and now I'm thinking of like you saying that your family didn't think you were that funny and they were worried about you going to California and then you're having these experiences at restaurants where people are like talking down to you and stuff. So, I mean, you really had to probably overcome a lot of, you know, forces on the, from the outside to like maintain what you were doing and stay here I, and work. Yeah, yeah, I had, I loved taking, I loved my improv classes and I loved my friends from the Groundlings. Yeah. And I think it is like why I, but even like, and I was going to say later in my like career, like I, I, I got pretty far. I did the Sunday show, but I didn't become a ground. I didn't go, didn't get into the main company, the groundlings. I was up for big jobs in my twenties. Nothing happened. All of that was like, would have been a lot easier, I think, mm-hmm. than what I was doing. But I think yeah. like I'm still doing it now and loving yeah. it more now because I made it all like. I was just, and I think it's like why I went back to Groundly. I was so loyal to that place because the people that I met along the way mm-hmm. and getting to pop in and yeah. And when they would start putting me in shows and I felt the connection, like kinship and love, like, oh, this is what I should be doing. And then when I started mm-hmm. doing more like with the sketch comedy and then doing a lot of the drag stuff and realizing I met my people, mm-hmm. you know, and you realize like, oh, this is, this, these are, this is my tribe, you know, and it makes yeah. it a lot easier. So now I can go in between jobs and it's there are times that it feels, you know, financially stressful or I'm like worried about health insurance sometimes mm-hmm. or some, you know, sometimes I just have, to, you know, I'm so busy that I'm like complain on that end, which is annoying for everyone involved. But, <laughs> you know, it's like it, it is easier because I feel like I have a network and I yeah. sort of. Well, it makes me think of you talking about your family not finding you funny, but then like now you've created a second family for yourself that like totally gets you and sees you for who you are and appreciates you, which is, I think, a common thread for a lot of gay men, to be honest. Absolutely. Queer, and queer I was going to say that, yeah. too, that like, yeah. you know, my, my family was always very supportive of that. But like, you know, when you are the, the gay one, there's a different sensibility of what mm-hmm. you find funny, yes, you know, and totally. even when your family totally supports you and loves you. You're not going to laugh at the same mm-hmm. thing. You know, your family's going to kind of go, wow, one way. And you're going to go, yeah, but what about, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Well, it makes me think you, of your plays too. Like that feels like they're written not only for a gay audience, but certainly like with a gay audience in mind. Like, yeah, you, you know, I mean, they're about the gay community. They're about like the way that gay people can be terrible to each other. And Yeah. And yeah. that's like kind of all I know to write. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always like trying to be open to other things. And it's great when I get assigned to write something that's not yeah. in my voice but like when i have freedom to write whatever i'm like mm-hmm. yeah that's really where where i'm at and what i like to talk about and 
I was you curious know. in terms of the groundlings of it all, which is, this is not a food question, but it's okay. I think that ship has sailed, although you told some great waiter stories and some great stories about the South. So we've got, we covered food, but oh, I'm good. Curious, okay, great. Yeah, I'm cur- curious with like the groundlings in terms of that training, because I did improv in college, which was really fun and really like totally changed my life and put me on a different path. But I'm curious if there are things that you take from improv into your real life, like the lessons that you've learned from improv that you apply to your day-to-day experiences. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's so, and, and this is something that, you know, a lot of people sort of, I think when Tina Fey's book came out, a lot of people were talking about this, but yeah. she was totally right in the sense about just the idea of just yes and, like the very mm-hmm. first thing you learn in improv is to say yes to whatever your partner says or does and then add, like the and is just as important as the mm-hmm. yes. So you don't say, you know, someone says the sky is blue, you say yes yeah. and let's take yeah. a walk, you know, versus the sky is blue. Yes, it is. Anyway, my knee hurts or <laughs> the sky right. is blue. Yes, yes, but, or the sky Build is blue. No, it. it's not. Yeah. It's brown. You know, yeah. you just keep adding. So it helps with just, it helps for me. Like it helped me socially just with conversations. Mm-hmm. Like I'm able to listen better and connect and I have to do it all the time. Just go into things and go just yes. And what they just mm-hmm. said or what they just did and then build from there or be, it also just makes you uh, be interested. Mm-hmm. and more things and I feel like yes we live in a town where everyone's so interested in themselves mm-hmm. and I find it, it's like actually relaxes me to just kind of go what about you yeah. you know and that's and it's like the improv thing of like make everything about your partner focus uh-huh. on your partner you know um and then I think a lot of it that I learned in improv is trust mm-hmm. trust yourself trust your partner trust the world trust mm-hmm. the experience yes and kind of going into life like that to like Instead of going into situations like nobody likes me, I have to prove mm-hmm. something or somebody's going to screw me over or whatever. It's like, no, just trust that mm-hmm. things are good until they're not. And everything just, you know, and one step at a time, like you can't bite off more than you can chew. And because improv, I mean, I think people watch people do improv and they go, you have to be so fast. How do you think mm-hmm. of things so quickly? But really it's about slowing down and listening mm-hmm. and, and yes. really responding to what, which is, I think, the most mind blowing for people when they do it. It's like your head's going like this, mm-hmm. and the more improv you do, the more relaxed you get, and you kind of go, "Boom, right. I'm going to respond to what you just said." And that's a good life lesson too about like, don't let yourself spin out of control. Just, just do it one at a time. You're going to make mistakes. That's mm-hmm. fine. Sometimes that's your funny, mistakes yeah. are more interesting than your than what you do, quote unquote, correctly. You know. Well, I could bring it back to food because everything you're describing describes like how I cook weirdly enough. I, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But like, it's like, okay, like all that I have in my fridge is like a purple cabbage and some like bacon. And it's like, oh, I, you know, it's like the yes end of it all. It's like, I'm, instead of being like, well, I'm not going to cook that. I have to, you know, make something else. It's like, no, I'm going to build on that and like right. take that as my starting point. I mean, yeah. no, this is exactly the same, but no, but about, like, like, you yeah. have any vinegar and you can kind yeah. of like do some sort yeah. of like sour exactly. You knew, you knew. Some German, something you are rather. a cook. See, that's perfect. Um, but <laughs> No, but I think what you're saying also makes a lot of sense. Like I had a therapist once who told me not to write scripts, like in terms of like, like if I go to dinner with so-and-so, they're going to bring this up and they're going to bring that up and it's going to get awkward. And he like, you're writing a script right now. And like, you don't know that that's going to happen and like, just go and you'll, you'll react as it happens. And it's sort of, that is the trust thing of like, you know, and going into a situation knowing that, you know, it's presumably everyone has my best interest at heart and like no one's out to get me um and you know it's hard sometimes yes it's really hard and and it's also a thing where people kind of go oh everybody's just thinking about themselves and it's sort Mm -hmm. of like turn that turn those exact words into a positive for you Mm -hmm. they're only thinking about themselves they're not trying to bring you down they're not trying to hurt you mm-hmm. they have nothing against you and they you know and that's just a fundamental human thing and so are you like we yes. all are in a way and so um you know i find sometimes when i i think like an uncomfortable thing is going to happen or i'm going to have a weird interaction with somebody or oh god somebody's gonna and i build up how bad it's going to be and it's always like refreshingly great yes and then vice versa there are other times mm-hmm. that i'm like can't wait and then some awful thing you just you can't prepare. Mm-hmm. And so you're better off. Yeah, I love that idea of like, don't write scripts. That's such a great yeah. way of putting it because I think we all do that in some way. I'm mm-hmm. like, because it's a control thing. We're like, if yes. I can control the narrative, mm-hmm. we don't have to go to any places where, because like, we might be uncomfortable with silence. We can mm-hmm. just, might, might just be eating and that's kind of weird. We haven't, what are we doing? But 
that could be great. And um, I haven't gotten there yet. I mean, I think I'm my, my, my Jewish background makes it really hard to like not constantly be talking. But, but oh, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I am Mrs. Peacock at the dinner party for yeah. sure. My nerve, I'll be like, I'm just gonna keep talking because nobody else is talking, and sure, I'm gonna make something make sense. That's yeah. why we're so entertaining though. Um, okay, well, Drew, <laughs> exactly. every podcast begins with what did you have for lunch, but then it ends with what are you having for dinner tonight? That is a great question. I haven't quite decided, but I will say I was just sent a beautiful um, tray of cheeses and charcuterie hmm. for this, um, a TV show. They were like, come watch the show and we'll send you and with wine. And like, there's a chef, I'm getting like a Q&A on like a wine and cheese tasting. So that Why might be I dinner. That? I want that. <laughs> right? I'm so excited. And I'm like, and I'm like, there's enough stuff on here with like almonds and pistachios and mm. all kinds of great things that that and a giant baguette. So that might be dinner, like a wine and cheese thing. Well, I'm curious with your um, catered fit. Is that what it was called? I keep mm -hmm. forgetting. Uh -huh. But yes. it sounds like, I mean, it, so in terms of like the discipline of it all and like eating this like low calorie meal, but then like having a like cheese and meat plate for dinner like how do you find a balance like what is your balance and i do the you... best i can i just actually started noom last uh -huh. week and so right. i just started that and i'm i, I can't even speak on like because i just started and i'm just mm -hmm. and I'm, but i'm logging all my calories every day and i'm doing the steps i'm like cool doing the number of steps they tell us to do and i'm logging my food and i'm noticing mm -hmm. just that alone being held accountable for everything i eat having to put it mm -hmm. in the thing and it going yeah. and this is what you have left you know that does a thing so I realize, and I'm kind of known this already, but like my breakfast and lunch is so good. Like I'm mm -hmm. eating good stuff and, I, and then dinner, I fall off the wagon. Yeah. And then I also drink, I have alcohol almost every day and I'll have, yeah. you know, one to three drinks at, at night. And I'm yeah. always like, you know, that's always just like horribly into the red zone by that point. So I realized that like, oh, I need to be just better at night. But so far Noom is not at all abusive. It's kind of like, right. that's fine, you know, just, you know, do a little bit better tomorrow and it's kind of that i like um, that because I, I, th I think i'm too hard on myself i mean i go to extremes so if i'm like i'm gonna do exercise now and i'm gonna i try to do dry january that lasted like four days <laughs> but, <laughs> i'm you know, not good like, at extreme with food i'm not good okay. at telling myself i can't have any of that because right. i obsess on it and i think about it all the time i've taken like two weeks off from alcohol and that's always good i try to do that twice a year yeah and instead of a whole month but I will say even that, those first three or four days, I never think about. And I'm like, oh, wow, I have something there because I will think about drinking. Like, I don't, I, I never drink during the day. I'm never, I don't right. enjoy it at all during the day. At night, the sun goes down. I want like a cocktail. I want a glass of wine and a nightcap. I don't well, you're, enjoy you're such a social drinker too, because you love Akbar. And I, mean, I don't know if you're yeah. going there now in the pandemic, but like just being able to go out and like have, I mean, and it's also in terms of you talking about yourself as shy, I imagine uh, drinking pie is like liquid courage as Elaine Stritch likes sure. to say. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like, I, I don't like being drunk. I mean, I enjoy the just sort of, you know, yes, I enjoyed like a mild buzz. I'm gonna lie, but I don't like being drunk. I, I do enjoy being high. I like mm -hmm. marijuana for that. I like, like how that feels better. If I'm drunk, I, yeah, I hate that feeling of like, losing all control. But yeah, it's it is a nice, it is a social lubricant. It is a thing that when I'm out and about in the world, I'm also conscious. I'm usually driving, so I usually don't have a lot, or I'm really like careful with that, or I'll get mm -hmm. an Uber, obviously. With right. Me. But at home in pandemic, it did. I did have to because I'm like I got nowhere to be. Who cares? Like you know, it did sort of that, that did change it a little bit. And I had to be oh, yeah. like, for a I lot of people. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people drank more. I mean, we Craig started making cocktails in the pandemic and we would have like two a night and like, okay, this is feels indulgent maybe. But why not? And it's just <laughs> yeah. like, the, I would argue to like, give us some vices. We were like in yeah. the terrible, you know, and unless, you know, you just have to be aware. It is a, it is a very addictive, poisonous, right. very potentially very bad thing. If you don't, you know, keep it, in, keep it in check. But, um, no, I used to, with the catered fit, I used to do three meals a day, Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. And I, what I was, I was realizing like calorie wise, it was only around 12 or 1300 calories a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm 200 plus pounds and six, three, it was not enough. Right. And so when I would have one cocktail, I'd be bombed <laughs> or I would have, you know, or I would go the other way and go, I'm going to order ice cream and have dessert and have like some crazy thing. And blow it out that way. And so uh -huh. find it better to just do the two meals a day for catered fit and at night have something a little more balanced and sensible that I usually order, delivered, or I go and get. 
Mm-hmm. And that way I can have a salad and like something and I can have pizza and yes. or pasta or whatever. And I'm not like really hard on myself. I also don't really care about being super fit. I've never cared about having like the the gay thing of like the body and the thing. Right. I don't care Me about too. that enough. Yeah. I, yeah. I just it's one of those things that like I appreciate it in others, but in me, I'm just sort of like, I don't, I don't care. And so, um, but I do want to be healthy and I want to stay on this earth as long as I can and not have like, sounds very healthy. Like that balance sounds like very, like it's very inspiring to me because I think that's what I'm shooting for right now is like, I want, I want to try to eat salads at lunch, but I still like, maybe I'll make pasta for dinner and just like be kind to myself, which I think is hard, but it's hard because you can't, you know, and then you, you know, but it's kind of, it's good to kind of go, all right, it's fine. You know, yeah. let it go if you have, you know, or if you, you know, you blow it out one night and have a lot of drinks one night. That's just. In, hey, the tables have turned here. I think you've become my lunch therapist <laughs> here at, the, at the end of the session. Well, Drew, thank you so much for uh, thank doing you, an hour Adam. This with was me. so much fun. I loved, I love where we went. I had no idea where this was going to go. Me too. I didn't and... write a script before. Yes, so. you didn't. Yeah, no, I love talking to you and let's, uh, Same. Uh, have you over for dinner soon? I'll make yeah, you please. The, the I'd love to come over chicken. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, please. I'll get that recipe from my mom. Sounds good. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk Thanks, to you Adam, soon. Thanks, Adam. You too. Yeah. Good to see you. Bye. Bye.